This is Dave. This is Reese. And this is Manic Joy, a podcast about life, love, and, and uncertainty. Well, hello, hello, friends, and welcome to episode one of Manic Joy. Woohoo! Woo <laughs> I am Dave, and I am here joined once again with the lovely Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello, Reese. I mean, hello, Dave. <laughs> so this is it. We're doing it. This is episode one, our first full-length episode. Wow. Before we even get started, I just wanted to take a minute to just say thank you to everyone who has written to us, texted us, signed up for the email list, really expressed some great uh, excitement and encouragement about this project that we're working on. So thank you to everyone keep it coming. We love it. We, we don't like attention at all. No, I'm actually right. extremely shy and demure, so demure. leave me out of it. Today must be the day of fancy words. <laughs> the word of the day calendar is demure. <laughs> demure. Actually, I think it was just dumb, but I made it fancy. <laughs> dumb demure. Dumb, yeah. demure. 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 Dumb Dumb shit. Demure. There we go. Dumb, oh! demure. See what you I did just, there? That you just was... said a curse word. I, well, I did. See? Aha! I can also be explicit. Ah, uh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you to everyone. Here we go with episode one. So I suppose probably what we should do is let people in on a little bit of what we're doing and the format of this episode is going to be in at least these first three episodes that we know of so far. So what we're going to do is Reese and I together came up with three questions that we're going to ask each other. We have answers for those. We each have a question that the other person does not know about. And then we asked people on our email list to send in questions on this theme of life, which is today's episode. We got a lot of questions. Yeah, we that really did. We awesome. have actually like a total of seven. I think one of them has a couple of questions built in. So maybe eight questions to answer here today. And lots of really great questions. I think that's one of the cool things well, is asking people for stuff, you know. Because we make really smart friends. That's so we, I, we make not, really smart friends. We make them out of clay. <laughs> And when they're dry and ready, our smart friends. Uh, Shut up, they, Reese. We bring them with us everywhere. No, we've got some really great that friends and people that will be listening to this show. So yep. again, thank you guys so much. Reese, how's, how's your day going so far? It's really good. I lost the paper that you prepared for me for this podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and um, I mean, it hasn't really been very eventful. A little low energies. If that intro music didn't pump you I up. I know. <laughs> Uh, we're very excited about that intro, by the way. Yeah, tell us if you like that intro music. It's pretty awesome. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. It's fun. Okay, so let's get to our first question. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Okay. The first question that we came up with for each other is, what are three experiences that define who you are? So the first was divorce. I am a product of a broken marriage that was early on, and I think that had a, a lot to do with developing who I was or who I am, <laughs> who I was growing up. You're still up. here. And I am still here, yeah. right. Uh, thank you. Knock on wood. That was my head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing uh, I put down was my mother, and we'll unpack that a little bit. And then lastly was friends. The show yes. Friends? Show Friends, As I yes. like that show. I think I relate more with Chandler. You're Is more usually, like Phoebe. I am like Phoebe a little bit. Because no. you play the guitar. Well, oh, that's why. And you have your phalanges. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we have cats that stink. Also that. Also, well, also true. no, they smell pretty good. <laughs> Just because you are in love with them <laughs> does not mean they smell good. <laughs> they smell fine to me. 
divorce. Let me unpack that a little bit. As I mentioned, my parents were, well, one, I I mean, my parents were in high school when they were pregnant. I don't think the initial marriage lasted too long, but I think set me up in an interesting dynamic. Both of my parents remarried. And I visited, you know, I'd live with my mom, visited my dad on on weekends was the typical scenario. And I think for me, I really got different things from each kind of side of that equation. I think you were really fortunate to have two great step parents. Well, yes. And I'll I'll talk about that here in, in that. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And so I would say living with my mom... I got to see uh, a certain lifestyle, a certain something, I don't even know what to call it, growing up that positively gave me uh, a lot of independence, taught me how to kind of care for myself and, you know, be the person I am today, but also recognize fully and, and it's probably something I've kind of spent my whole life doing if we're really going to unpack it, but recognizing what I didn't want in my life, which is interesting, which leads me, you know, when we get down to the friends issue, right, really surrounding myself with the types of environments that I wanted to be with. So that's one thing there. The other, you mentioned step parents. Well, you know what? I'll get to step parents in a second. So the other thing was on the other side, I, my, my father's side of the equation, I really got to see family and structure and just what it was like to be in a room with people without fighting and angst and just great things to see and have in that experience growing up as a child and being impressionable and kind of recognizing and figuring out, you know, who I was and, and, and where I was going to go and where life was going to take me, that type of thing. So well, I it think... was like one house that forced you to be independent, even though you didn't maybe necessarily want that at mm-hmm. such a young age. And then you had another house where everybody helped each other out. Yeah. And were there for each other. And that constituted what we normally think is what family is supposed to be yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure your mother tried her best, but on the opposite end with your dad's family, they're very like welcoming and yeah. there's tradition and structure and you know, I was also very fortunate to be able to be a part of that yeah. as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned my step parents, so, you know, uh, on my on living with my mother, obviously remarried, my stepdad Stan was really kind of the rock in this whole situation. You know, I'm leaving bullet two of my mother for bullet two. We'll unpack that there. My stepdad uh, is great. He's still here. We still chat. He comes to visit every every once in a while, and we have a great time. Just an all-around great guy that I think taught me, I, I would say one of the things that kind of has carried through my life in this whole situation is, you know, one of the scenarios I, I remember you know, anybody would say, you know, you're a good listener and you, you're, I can see you're analyzing and taking all of that stuff in, which was, he was right. That's, that's what I was doing. And I think that was really great. And like I said, I, I was given a lot of uh, freedom and independence 
on that side. Like it was like, hey, I want to go out. Okay, what time are you going to be home? I want to be home at this time. Well, how about this time? Like there was a lot of that back and forth. It wasn't like, no, you have to do this. You have to do that. And then when it comes time, you know, I didn't get punished a lot. I was a good kid, I like to think. Uh, <laughs> Which is hilarious because that's the opposite, opposite of my family right, yeah. who were, no, you can't go out and you can't do that. And I was punished all the time. <laughs> right, right. And so when I was punished, a lot of the times it was like, okay, what should your punishment be? You know what I mean? And I had to figure out my own punishment, like that type of thing. So just really great to have him there and provide that stability that I know I would not have gotten. And I would be a much different person if he wasn't in the picture. And then my stepmom, again, on the other side, Carol, who unfortunately is not with us anymore, really on that structure, family, like we all sit down to dinner, clean the table, may I be excused, and and, and that type of thing. And and I think, again, to have the balance and the contrast of those two, two things, I think really helps kind of put me in the middle, where it wasn't an extreme on either side. And so I I think that is is really really good yeah number one is divorce and just that whole situation and where that put me was really interesting number two my mother if it's not one thing it's your mother it's a mother yeah so for those of you who don't know uh, many of my friends do know that i'm i mean at this point estranged from my mother my mother had some mental health issues i think growing up made it very difficult to be around um also just, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to go into a whole therapy session here necessarily, but as I mentioned, I think I look at what the positives that come out of that are. And again, really made me recognize the things that I did not want to have in my life. And what's that saying, right? You spend your whole time trying to get away from who your parents are and mm-hmm. not being that and, and, and whatnot. And I'm a big believer in your life and the things that happen in your life are things that are what are supposed to happen. And those things influence you and point you in directions and help you overcome things and, and teach you how to be and how to just engage with people and learn and grow as a person, right? And so I think all of that stuff is is really important. And so having that situation, if I think about it, led me to getting away from that. Then putting myself through school and eventually ending up and going to school in New York and living there for 15 years. And that's where we met. And that is just, again, I don't know if that stuff necessarily would have happened if I didn't have the situations I was in. And that was the luckiest thing that ever happened to you because then you met me. And then so. I met you. I wasn't sure where you are going that, with I, that. I was not sure if you were going to say the luckiest thing that happened to you, but no, fine. No, fine, that's fine. no. <laughs> the luckiest no, thing. I'm but, the best thing right, that happened but yes, to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's number two. And then I think number three, friends. Not everybody is your friend. That's a term I believe, and you know, we talk to the talk about this to the girls a lot. Is friend is a term that gets kind of thrown around way too easily. I think there are people you know, but there are only choice people that you call friends, and that's always been something that's that's really important to me. And I mean, I mean, you see this now 
and friends to me are people that you can go away for years, many years, 15 right. of them, right. much, much like I have, and, and not be in touch with everybody all the time, and then come back and it's like you haven't missed a day. Right. And that's, I, I'm going to try not to get emotional now, but like those are the things in life that are so important to me. When I see the type of friends that, that you've made and kept, you're really good at making decisions like that putting choice people in your life that are only going to make it better i would say i would add friends up there for myself as something really important that you so what a great segue why don't you start there with friends since those were my three so number one for you is friends um well so i wouldn't necessarily start with friends but i mean they're in there um but i would say the probably the death of my grandfather was a big thing that shaped me mm-hmm. um, when I was eight or nine. So I talk about this all the time very freely now because I'm older and I get some of it now. But when I was like eight or nine, my grandfather committed suicide. I was home. It was the first time that I struggled with grief and yeah. mortality. And and that was a, a big thing for me. I had a pretty easy childhood. I was very spoiled, only child, and I was very close to my grandfather. So I didn't understand at the time why he did what he did. I mean, like years later now, I, I get it. That shaped me being able to handle trauma. And I disguise a lot of my sense of humor. Normally, like any of the great comedians, because that's what I am, um, <laughs> any of the great comedians, they, they all kind of disguise their trauma with comedy yeah with with, I had a lot of messed up things happen in my childhood but I was always able to bounce back mainly because I saw that was my mom's father and she she bounced back and my dad bounced back and my grandmother bounced back like everybody was like a family again it it sucked it was terrible we grieved but that kind of helped shape how I handle trauma And then I would say after that, the next thing that really shaped me was going away to the university at Buffalo. Because like I said, I was very spoiled, only child. My, I wore, I went to Catholic school. So my mom would have my uniform laid out for me in the morning. My grandmother would have my breakfast ready. Like my dad always made phone calls when eventually when I got my car, he would do things with my car and everybody did everything for me. And then finally, when I was almost 21, I was like, I I can't be at home anymore. I have to do something. And so my professor at Kingsborough Community College was like, yeah, you need to go away to school. And my grades were terrible, but he got me into the University of Buffalo. <laughs> and I don't take any credit for that. And I went eight hours away from Brooklyn to Buffalo. And the first two weeks were terrible. Mm -hmm. I got the flu. My roommate's boyfriend sat on me because he didn't know I was sleeping on the couch. And I had to wake myself up, make breakfast, clean my own clothes. Uh, The first load of laundry I did, I turned everything pink. You did that recently, too. I did. I I haven't stopped doing that. It's tradition when I do laundry. Some things have never changed. No, they have not. Um, And so I feel like that was an eye-opener for me because now I had to do everything on my own. And friends do come into play because I had to go and make friends on my own and I never had to do that before. Mm. So I made some really good friends when I went away to school and they were almost like your family away from home. And then I guess a third thing that made me who I am today would be the girls. Because Mm. I think all these things that I went through, for me it's, you know, everything is a 
struggle. Yeah. Everything's a freaking struggle. So I always look for the thing that helped me get through it. Um, so when I got pregnant with the girls, when we found out we were pregnant, that was really exciting, but we didn't know it was girls. We thought it was just one. Then we found out it was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we fi- find out that, you know, they had to come out two months early mm-hmm. and it was just always something. And um, just having them really forced me to become an adult yeah. and to realize that I wasn't making mistakes anymore just on myself. Like I'd had yeah. to be careful because now I have two other little humans to, you know, live for and do the right thing for. And I had so much more to live for. And so it always makes me reflect back to my grandfather because I was so close with him. And, you know, he was sick and he felt like he was a burden. Yeah. And that's why he did what he did. And so I definitely try to not be a burden to my girls. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want, I don't know, to be functional yeah. and not not perfect because that doesn't exist. Like there's no perfect parent. I We all make mistakes. We all have no idea what we're doing no matter what books you read. But the girls definitely, every all the choices I make are usually geared to make sure I'm doing the right thing yeah. by them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're doing that, a great job. That makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. Pete. You're welcome. Well, I think, I think you helped me a lot with that as well. Cause I don't think I would have gotten through half the stuff I got through if I wasn't, you know, for you. Mm. And then I, the drinking is definitely because of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, that's, my friends. That's why I drink. Yes, trauma jokes. I have, yes. to, I have to live with myself. Yes, um, trauma jokes. So yeah, and us. we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about the girls in uh, episode three. Yeah. Uh, in certain uncertainty, because mm. yeah, what the hell are we doing? We didn't doing? know what yeah. we were doing. We still so, don't know what we're doing. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I think all of these things that we're talking about here today really shape a lot of what we do and. And, and the, the areas we focus on with those uncertain things that we yeah. have to deal with, which is pretty cool. All right, so Reese, here's the second question. I'm going to start with you on this one. If you weren't where you are now, where do you think you'd be? So I definitely think that had I not met you and moved here and that that this whole thing didn't happen, I think I would definitely have been in Brooklyn way longer, married some type of do 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 <laughs> popped out a few kids, uh, and either ended up in Staten Island or Jersey, and, and I would have been like one of those housewives of do 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 land. Oh. I think I would have married a dum-dum. <laughs> well, you got me instead. Ha-ha! Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> honestly, we can make jokes about that, but... I'm very lucky that things worked out the way that they did and we found each other because I'm pretty sure some of the people that are maybe listening to this that used to date me, (laughs) I'm not referring to you. (laughs) Well, they wouldn't know because they're dumb, right? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Okay, so... I'd be miserable. Well, so so this is the note I have for myself here for this question because I really have no idea where I would be. And and let me explain that a little bit. As I was kind of talking about before, I'm very much in like experiences and things happen. Like you kind of set yourself in a direction and then everything that kind of happens along that path. Like I'm a big believer in that you lay out kind of the direction you're headed 
and do the things to align yourself in that way. And then the universe conspires to help you. Mm. I'm a big believer in that. Even us being here today, I think that's one of those things where we were living in Brooklyn and then we focused. We finally made a decision. Okay, we need to do something different. We should probably move to Massachusetts and and do that. And then once we actually made the decision, everything just fell in line. Within two weeks, I had a job. We had a place to live. We had the girls out here, you know, registered for school. You still had to finish out your semester at Kingsborough. It was all of that, but I'm a big believer in that. And so if I, if I weren't where, you know, if we weren't where you are now, like, I'm not sure where I'd be exactly because I just, I don't, I never know where I'm going to be because I just know kind of what I'm trying to achieve and wherever that path kind of takes you. But I guess one thing, as I mentioned, the miserable thing, like I think if we didn't, based on where we were at in, a, in that point of our, in our lives, what this is going on nine years ago, if we weren't here and we were still there, ugh. Yeah, we, ugh, would we would be miserable. I don't know if we'd be divorced because like, I think we're very much like we don't like that path, but we definitely would not be happy. No. I, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe we would have figured it out. But I, again, I don't know. Right. So that's where I'm like, uh, I don't know. But I, I do not think I would be as content and happy with the direction that our life I, is I agree at this that. moment in time. I agree with that. And to go with the whole, where would I be had I not met you, I wasn't really a big risk taker. Me going away to University of Buffalo was kind of like a big deal. And then when I came home, I was like, thank God that's over. And I don't, I wouldn't have made like the big leaps and jumps had I not met you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was very content just staying in one spot and... I'm so happy that we made some of those decisions because my family, my immediate family in the house, my mother, my father, they weren't risk takers. Yeah. They would talk about moving here or doing this or buying this, but they never did it because they were always afraid of what would happen. And I'm kind of glad that we don't do that. I mean, a lot of our decisions are somewhat calculated, but for the most part, they're risks. Yeah. But they're intentional risks. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Question three, if you could go back to age 13, would there be a moment you'd do differently? You go first. Okay, I'll go first. So, all right, here's another thing you need to know about me. I am horrible at timelines. I, like, I had to think, all right, 13. So I think that puts me in eighth grade. And then I was racking my brain. Okay, eighth grade. I know, here are some things I know. I was in eighth grade. I was living in Tower Hill in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Uh, I was in that area. I was going to the Alexander B. Bruce School. Uh, I was in Mr. Sullivan's class, I believe. I don't know anything else that happened in eighth grade. That's still a lot of details yeah but that's the detail like i don't know like anything like i know some people i remember a couple of names and and a couple of things but other than that i was racking my brain i'm like eighth grade like there are formidable things that i remember in i was gonna say you don't remember like when you were 13 what is something that no 13 is like a a blank blur it's a like i like aside from those specifics like i don't like like i remember things in fifth grade for example i remember things in sixth grade for example, eighth grade. Wow, 
eighth grade was a big deal for me. So I, I have no idea. A, that's so, why I came up with that question. Yeah. Because 13 was was a semi-decent time of learning experience. Well, let's so hear it because I, I got 13. nothing. Wow. Because <laughs> um, you're usually pretty good with remembering facts and stuff. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know where to place them on the timeline sometimes. Yeah. Like that part is like difficult. for Like sometimes like what day is it? What week is it? Oh my God, it, it feels like it's been three months and it, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, it was a long January for everyone, but, yes, it was. but I mean, just like a normal January feels like, oh my God, has this been, how long has this been? Well, that's, that's the funny thing is I don't then remember. It goes by so fast. Well, it, everything flies by. Yeah. Because, uh, so it's just funny because it's like I, my childhood had its ups and downs like in my house with my family and I just reunited with a couple of my cousins on Facebook it makes Mm -hmm. me so happy because that was my childhood yeah was my family like we would have a ball I had one or two friends that I grew up with that I was super close with that I you know and then obviously I had Ruthann my best friend for 40 something years lived around the corner from me um we spent our holidays together Mm -hmm. so you know, like those things were really important to me. But when I think of like the age where things started to become real, I think I think of when I was 13 in eighth grade because that was the first time a boy asked me out and that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. This will be fun for everybody to hear too. That's when I got my period. Hey, and uh, <laughs> here, here's a great story I like I like to tell. Uh, we were in Wildwood, New Jersey. And I was with my family. We went there every summer. And so I, uh, one of the friends of the family had asked me that day at the beach, hey, you want to go on the boardwalk tonight and walk around and do some stuff? And I was like, okay, because it was a boy and I was so excited. I was like boy crazy when I was 13. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I'm taking a bath and I'm shaving my legs. It's going to be a big day. And then, and then I was like, oh, I nicked myself. I was like, oh, that's a lot of blood. And then I'm like, oh, my God, that's not coming from my leg. <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, in the bathroom. And so my dad comes in. Mm-mm. So now I'm screaming. And he, now he's screaming. <laughs> and first he's screaming because I don't have clothes on. And then he's screaming because there's blood. And he's like, oh, my God, she's dying. And then my grandmother comes in. <laughs> and then she's like, ah, cursing up a storm. And then I'm like screaming because... Now, both of them are seeing me naked in the bathtub and there's blood everywhere. And then my mother comes in with a cigarette in her hand, pushes them out of the way, and she's like, oh, she's just got her period. Everybody get out. And I was like, what? Um, so that's when I was 13. <laughs> so that's what I remember specifically because that that was mortifying and horrible. But then I remember the other side of that of being asked out by a boy at school who I really, really liked. And that was also monumental to me because a boy liked me. Yeah. And and then there was the awkward stuff, like my whole entire family being in the bathroom while I had no clothes on <laughs> and I just got my period. So, so these things stuck with me. And so if I had to go back and change anything when I was 13 – I would definitely say to lock the bathroom door. <laughs> That's the moment you'd do differently. <laughs> <laughs> I would have locked the bathroom door. Yeah, that That's amazing. Been, that, that's the moral of that story. Excellent. Okay. This is the surprise question that okay. we have for each other. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. What is your question? Okay. If you could have any superpower Ooh. ever. Yep. Any superpower, and it could be whatever it is. You can make something up, or it mm-hmm. could be like a Marvel character, or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
uh, what would it be? Okay, I think I know this like right off the bat because it's one of those things that I think everybody wishes for, like just growing up and being through life. But I would say the power to teleport mm. and just be wherever you wanted to be at a moment's notice. You remember growing up and being in love and talking on the phone and being like, oh, I wish I could be there. And like yeah. I had those moments, like yeah. just that. And I mean, even today when I'm traveling, for work and sometimes it's a it's a long flight and like I just want to be back home here with you guys like yeah. things like that that whole thing would be that would definitely be the superpower that I would would want to have because I think yeah I just the ability to just be where you wanted to be at a moment's notice is awesome I love that that's a good answer yeah do you want to answer that no or, you no? give me your okay. question so my question so is not one that I came up with Points for you if you can guess where this question comes from. And if you can't, if somebody else listening can tell us where it's from, we'll, we'll figure out some way to celebrate that. But the question is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, that this definitely seems very familiar. What the heck is that from? Well, I'm not going to guess it, but it definitely sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I'm... I'm hilarious, and I cracked him up several times, and I, I made him happy. That's I'm in the bathroom with your period. Yep, he was like, "That was that's why I made you not lock the door." Why didn't you lock the door? That's right, that's right, that's why I made you real dumb and uh, not lock the door ever. And thanks, God, you're awesome. We've got some audience questions here now. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This first question comes here from Mike. And and Mike says, one of the best things I found in life is focusing on things that I can control versus the things I can't. But that's hard. What are some ways to improve this focus? Right. So, and I've actually had this conversation with Mike. Yeah, look at that. Yep. So Mike got me into the whole stoic philosophy Mm -hmm. thing, which has really been putting things in perspective. And it's about controlling the things that you can control. And there's some things you can't. And then there's 50-50. Some things you can control, what you can't control. One thing I try to focus on now after doing a lot of reading with the stoic philosophy is there's so many things that are beyond our control. Mm -hmm. So it's not worth focusing on like what's going to happen next week so what I like to focus on is in the present happening in the moment Mm -hmm. so that could be something I'm working on controlling what I say like telling uh, period stories in a podcast where I know several people are going to be listening I could have controlled that but I didn't Um, (laughs) but just in the moment like how I feel the mood I'm in if is someone doing something that's going to upset me I have the complete control and power to change whether or not that person's going to affect my day and put me in a bad mood. I'm in control of my mood. Yeah. I would say one of the things for me is is I, you have to make decisions. I think life is really about a series of decisions that you make. And I equate it a lot to like poker, right? Like the, the poker players are playing a long game. It's you're playing odds over time. And so it's not just one moment, it's not just one hand, it's a series of hands, it's multiple hands over the long term. And if you make more good decisions than you make bad decisions, like you come out on top, you win money. And choosing the things to focus on, you have to make the decisions 
on the things that you're not going to focus on. And again, right. I'm not saying it's easy. No, that's the most important thing yeah. is not to focus on things, one, that you can't control, not to focus on things that are going to make you sad or unhappy, and not to focus on things that they're so beyond your control, there's really nothing you could do about it. We're all going to die. You can't stop that. Yeah. But you can control how you live every day and make decisions that make you happy. You know, it's funny that you say that. I think that's actually, you know, that whole death thing is that that's like the one thing too, like in life that I'm like not afraid of. Yeah, same. Because it's like, that's the, it's so funny that so many people are afraid of it too, because it's like the, it's the only thing in life we know that for certain is going to happen. Definitely we're going to die. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Everything else in between being born and dying is, is a who the hell knows. Right. And that to me is a lot scarier than anything that has to do with well, I think we're, <laughs> like, you know? so, we're so busy and so focused on other things that we don't really think about it every day. And I think the only time that it comes up for me is like with like Kobe, like Kobe dying. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was like a reminder about mortality. Well, sure. Anybody like, oh my gosh, does, right? he was in the prime of his life and he had his daughter and that really affected me. Not that I was a big, I didn't hate Kobe, yeah. but it made me sad that that happened. And it was like, there he was just going off to do what he thought he was going to do that day. And then it didn't happen. And then for a couple of days, it really, it really affected me yeah. in, in a strong way. But then I was like, well, I have my kids. I got to get over that and I can't dwell and be sad. So I think it's just controlling what you can't control in the, in the moment. Yeah. You know, I think also making good decisions for the long run yeah. helps. You have to plan. You have to think but... about consequences to yeah. your actions. But I also think just focusing on what's immediately in front of you also yeah. helps. Yeah. All right, here's a question from Bill. And Bill asks, if you didn't know you'd have the unbelievable kids you have now, would you have kids at all? The short answer for me is yes. It's one of those things. Again, it's, an, it's a level of uncertainty, which is why we're kind of saving that discussion for that episode. But... There are so many unknowns in that whole scenario that we were blessed with having healthy kids. And, and then I, I don't like to say lucky because we put a lot of hard work into developing in, them into the people that they are today. So that, that did was not intentional happen by as chance. well. No, not at all. I can't imagine if we were together that we wouldn't have eventually had kids. I think we didn't plan to have kids when we did. Things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And. What a great time. You were you were amazing pregnant. You were like a you were like a goddess when you were pregnant. My hair was awesome. My skin was awesome. I'd have my bagel on the side of the bed waiting for me every morning. (laughs) I knew what I wanted to eat. It was a good time. It was a good time. So much fun. Thank you for that compliment, by the way. Also, yes, thank you, Bill. I I also agree. I think we do have some unbelievable kids. So thank you for for mentioning that. Um, So, I mean, yes. I would say no. Okay. Because um, it depends on who I was with. If I wasn't, I was very calculated with who I would think about having children with. I didn't mind the relationships I had, Mm -hmm. even though I knew that they were some that might not last. But I would think, is this someone that I would want to have children with? And I think that was a big factor. And if I didn't find you and there really wasn't anything else, I would have about 15 cats. (laughs) You, that would definitely be the case. And And I think we're close to that. Yes. Oh, 15 cats and a chameleon. And a chameleon. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Here's a question from Tanya. If you could pick one thing in your formative years that had the most impact on who you are now, what would it be, good or bad? 
You go first. Uh, I mean, something? my mother. Is your mom. Yeah. And I think, again, I think bad situation, but right. good outcome. Yeah. I would say that I'm not saying that I, I didn't love anybody more than the other, but I was pretty partial to my dad. All the times I thought he was making up songs. I thought he made up the songs for me. He would sing, Reese Rose, Superstar. And I was like, oh my God, he made this song for me. Yeah, nope, he did not do that. But he used to do all these great things and do all these things for me. But he also taught me so many things that I still use today to help me focus. He really put it in my head that I didn't need anybody, that I could be independent, that I could be a strong female, that I didn't need a boyfriend or anybody. Some of his classic lines were, think, Bernardo, think, and then he would like tap himself (laughs) on the head whenever I would say or do something stupid. Bernardo was my maiden name, by the way. He would always tell me to be diplomatic, even though you may not agree with what someone is telling you. You don't always have to be right. You just have to be diplomatic. Like little things like that. And always taking care of your car. <laughs> Sage advice. Sage really. advice from, really. from JB. I mean, we're, we're riding on a 2006 Honda Odyssey. I mean, like, it's still going. I know. It's awesome. I love that. Because we car. take care but of our car. We're getting you a, a new car soon, Yay. which is good. Okay. Here's uh, we got two questions here from Michael. The first of which is, if you could have lunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, two people? No. One, we have two questions, oh, but this is one oh, person. One. If you could have dinner with one I love this question all the time, and it's a difficult one to answer. But just because we watched, and it's fresh in my head, uh, just because oh, we watched... I um, what you going to say. Yeah. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, I would have to say Robin Williams. Mm. I, I'm going to cry just... That's a good one. I know I'm getting like... Mm. Yep. I wouldn't even want to go out to like a formal dinner. I'd want to sit at a bar yeah. and just hear what he has to say because I admire him so much. I think also because he had so much sadness and you would yeah. never know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he does what I do. Like you hide the trauma and you just try to make people happy. Yeah. And by making people happy and, and having them laugh... Yep. And feel good around you, yeah. Kind of makes up a little bit. It's like a little band aid that kind of makes mm. up for some of the trauma yeah. you feel. So, Robin Williams, absolutely nice. excellent. Yeah. This is going to come to as no surprise to anyone, but Bono. I know. I mean, yeah. Come on, yeah. Most people listening know that Reese and I are huge U2 fans. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting The Edge at one time, randomly in New York City, which was an amazing experience. My face melted off, oh, it was literally. So great. Just great people. I remember being a freshman in college, UMass Amherst, uh, had an RA that was a big U2 fan as well, and she had these old cassette tapes cassette tapes mm. uh old cassette tapes of like bootleg recordings of U2 live when they were like 16 and, and they sounded like crap bono <laughs> sounded like he was killing a cat like, like that's it. what his voice sounded like and i was like <laughs> was whoa awful. and this was what in the 90s right like this is 92 93 and that's like octone baby Joshua Tree came out already. Octum Baby came out. And this is a guy that I'm like, has one of the most, what I would say is one of the best voices in rock and roll history. Sounded like killing a cat. Oh God, it was worse than that. And that really flipped a switch for me. Well, because he was trying to be someone he wasn't. Well, I mean, growing into yourself, right? But it made me say like, wait, this is what he sounded like? Yeah. 
and this is what he sounds like now. And the ethos of that band was always to be kind of like the biggest band and be the best they could be. And they didn't want to be a starving artist. They were always going to be something. And that is something that always stuck with me, that ethos. And yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I was like, all right, I'm going to start singing. Like I, I never could sing, but I was like, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to practice. I was playing bass guitar. I started doing that and I would write, but I could never really sing. And I mean, I think I can carry a tune these days and I can sing and, and, and do that. And I think that just that ethos on every area of my life, Bono and the band as a whole are people that aren't just spouting things, but they do things. They try to make an impact that I respect everything he's trying to do uh, that he does because it's not somebody complaining about somebody or something. It's somebody trying to make a difference. And anything I do or anywhere I am, that confidence, I always say that their story makes me feel like I can do anything. Yeah. And I would I just love to, because they're, and I feel like they're and very he would tell you people. All of it. He would talk your ear That off. I would love to, and I think it would be an amazing conversation. It would be, yeah. What's the other question? The other question is, in one word, give an adjective that best describes your life, spouse, and job. So three separate words words is how michael wrote it there's so three separate word words so and 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 i think this would be fun i don't want to unpack this one let's just give it the words and then i think maybe we can kind of write a blog post or something and we can talk through each of these and give a little bit more oh no we're doing fine (laughs) ready one word adjective that best describes your life life i don't want to say the word adventurous because Mm -hmm. like right right now my life has so many twists and turns in it i always end up someplace cool Mm -hmm. so i don't want to say adventurous but it kind of feels like an adventure right now like okay. i have all these great experiences kind of just yeah. popping up and i'm just yeah intentional mm. it's funny i'm off on an adventure and you're again path the things that happen on that path are right. you don't know right spouse spouse a word that describes my spouse <laughs> the moment we're all waiting for i know i would say charming oh my Thank husband you. is charming <laughs> You know, I was voted most charming in high school. Um, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> For me, perfect. All you and your ways. And I'll I'll unpack that in a blog post. But oh. So job is the last one. I want to, well, for me, I'll switch it. You can decide whether you want to switch it or not. But I don't want to say job because I don't have jobs now. I have a career now. Oh. And I think they're different. And so I want to say career for my one word. But you can make that decision. Well, right now, as far as being a teacher, it's my, it's, I would use the word favorite. Mm. I, I love teaching. I Good. love what I do. And yeah. it's not just teaching. There's so much more to it. So I, I would say f- favorite would be a word. It's cool. my favorite thing right now. Uh, so career for me, my word is unfinished. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Question number five comes from Joanne. If you had to choose a different career, what would it be? It's raining outside. It is raining outside. Those raindrops coming. I have to go to the bathroom, and the rain (laughs) is not helping me forget it. You know, it's still something I could do. Two things that I that I would like to do, but I could still do while I still have the career I have. But I, I really would have loved to have been like a stand-up comedian Mm. or like a published writer like have a 
series, like mm. a J.K. Rowling type of gotcha. series or something like that. I think some the, things to put on the list. Well, because you know, it's I love I love that creative aspect of both of those things, and they you know again are things I like making people happy. I keep yeah. every time I keep censoring myself because we just watched the uh, Taylor Swift Miss Americana thing, <laughs> and her throughout the whole bio made me so sad because all she kept saying was she just wanted to be good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she just wanted to make other people Mm -hmm. happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so now ever since watching that i'm like editing myself because that's kind of how i feel Mm -hmm. not that i'm comparing myself to taylor swift but Mm -hmm. i know that feeling of trying to make other people happy but that makes me happy and i I, yeah i'm with you because i mean i think again coming from my situation one of the things that I always just wanted to have around was I wanted everyone to be having fun, right. laughter, and just feeling good. Yeah. Time, so what other you know? job would you have if oh, you so do what you were doing? Mine is easy, and I would say uh, a late-night talk show host. Oh, my for sure. God. You would. For sure. You would kill that. Yeah, that would be I, perfect. That's, you know, you. and I look for opportunities to do things like that. I mean, this podcast, yeah. for example. Uh, things I do, it's part of my career, my speaking, and all of that. Like, those are all things that I, yeah, I love I love an audience, yep. and I love that whole thing. So that, no doubt. All right, here's a question from Eric. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Do you have an answer to that right I away? do. I'm not a person to want to change things necessarily. But to answer this question, if I had to change one thing about myself, are you ready for it? Moobs. I wouldn't mind. Just let's clarify that. <laughs> Dave said moobs. I would, I have a bit of a man boob <laughs> at the current moment. That is decreasing. <laughs> and I think Reese is dead. Uh, that, yeah, I could, I could do with a little less on the moob side of things. <laughs> moobs. Moobs. It's... Dude was not expecting that nope. at all. Okay, your turn. Moobs. Well, I'm always working on myself. Uh, there's definitely, I think I've come a long way with my temper. Mm. Uh, I used to yeah. be pretty yeah. <laughs> uh, easily agitated and then would let people know that. Um, so I, so I'm, I'm constantly working on some, th- some of those things, uh, just, you know, as far as... Uh, how angry I get at things, but I think if if I could change one thing aesthetically, I uh, to quote the song, I wish I was a little bit taller. Mm. I don't wish, you know, I was a baller or a brawler, or whatever the other line that rhymes with taller. But <laughs> I uh, definitely wish that I had a little bit more height. At least if I hit the five foot area, I would I I think I would feel much better about myself, which is why I often wear platform shoes Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I should not be wearing them. Right. And yeah. So last question here comes from Jeanette. And uh, I think a great question to, to, to end on. But if you had to bring it down to just one thing, what do you suppose makes relationships work? Hmm. That's a good one. What do you think, babe? Communication. Uh, so I'm going to, not be original and go with that too because without communication we would not be where we are yeah i think so many people spend so much time in their own head yeah that i always you know i I say this to you all the time i'm like whatever's going on in your head or whatever is 
huge, usually so far away from what is actually going on and 10 times worse or 10 times better. Like it's so based in not reality. Yeah. Well, that's what I said with my anger. I would get mad at Dave for something that he'd have no idea yeah, what he yeah. did. And then I would just assume that he would know why I was mad. And then I wouldn't tell yeah. him. And then I would stay mad. Yeah. Um, communication could have solved that pretty yeah. easily. And it's not and we've just... We've gotten better at that. Yeah. And I think... We, I Actually, I think we do a really good job at that uh, these days anyway. And I think we've learned that. Like, we've grown into that. And yeah. I think it's great. And so I appreciate that about us. Yeah. But I think it's the same for relationships, you know, friendships, uh, relationships at work, for example. Yeah. Like, people on my team, I'm always like, listen... You need to communicate. I need to know how you're doing, what you're feeling. Let me know what's going on so I can make sure that we're on the same page or we're addressing things that we need to address. But I want to also, and I will be honest with you and give you feedback, but I also want feedback from you and let me know how I can help you better, right? And I think that builds a, a strong team that are people that come in that want to work and, and have fun doing it. And I think that's just communication with relationships in general is just... The secret, if we yeah. were to call a secret. Well, like, I was going to say, I do secret. the same thing with my students, yeah. too. And the other day, my student missed his speech and didn't come and talk to me throughout the whole class, taught the class, did everything I had to do. And at the end of class, he goes, I was ready to do my speech. And I'm like, well, how would I know that if you didn't tell me? I was like, just because I'm the size of Yoda doesn't mean I am Yoda. I cannot <laughs> know what's going on right, right. in your brain. And that's telling my students that, too. I don't know what is affecting you. I don't know that something's happening at home and this is why you're not doing your work. So I make communication a, a big deal yeah. because I do teach yeah. communication, but I'm a strong advocate of it. And I think because it's worked so well in our relationship, mm -hmm. I'm going to say communication, 100%. Right. Everyone, thank you so much for those questions. Great questions. Reese. Dave. Episode one. We did it. We did it. Woohoo! Woo Great, because I really have to go to the bathroom. Yes, so you'll have a chance to pee in a moment. I just want to wrap this up. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. Obviously, those questions and engagements that you sent to us help make this work. If you are not on our email list, we'll include a, a link in the show notes. Please make sure to join that because that's how you get to send these questions in. Uh, our email list is very important to us, and we uh, have a lot of cool things that we do with you guys and help get you guys involved. A big thank you to everyone who has already left a review of, of Manic Joy. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review for us. Give us a rating. Uh, share this podcast with your friends because all of those things help our podcast get noticed and get more listeners in. So thank you in advance for that. Let us know what you think. We're always open to your feedback. And with that, thank you for listening today. We can't wait to talk to you next time. And remember, friends, life is a group project. Yep. Be kind to each other. Word. <laughs>